Hello, it's Jonathan Gillum for KCSU Sports with another sports podcast. And it's Black History Month. And with it being Black History Month, each episode is going to be themed towards black athletes and honoring their sacrifice and what they had to go through. So just a disclaimer, this episode is not going to try to sugarcoat anything. You may hear things that may disturb you. And, well, it's not okay, but it's it's part of learning about where we came from. And specifically honoring each one of those black athletes because they went through tremendous stress, tremendous obstacles, adversity, you name it. Having to pretty much scale Mount Everest blind to do what they had to do. So this first episode is going to be on the desegregation of sports. And I think there's a healthy argument of like, well, which which athlete really broke the desegregation? And you ask a lot of people, they'll say it's probably Jackie Robinson, right? <clears throat> but I've got two other athletes that I think played a, a huge role in desegregating sports and facing a lot of adversity as well. So at the end, we'll kind of dive between the three and I'll leave it there and let you decide. So, hopefully I enticed your curiosity because you're like, if it's not Jackie Robinson, who is it? Well, that's the mystery in the podcast. No, I think the there has to be at least an acknowledgement of, of two other athletes before we consider who really helped desegregate sports. And I think... So first, let's go back to the earliest instance of, well, a sport that that allowed a black athlete and a white athlete to participate. And that is surprisingly the sport of boxing. And I'm talking no other than the legend Jack Johnson. Decades before Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier, Jack Johnson or John Arthur Jack Johnson became the first black heavyweight champion of the world. Jack Johnson earned a nickname known as the Galveston Giant when he was fighting in the Black Boxing Circuit League, but he had ambitions to to win the world championship title. And it was held by a white boxer who went by the name of Jim Jeffries, but Jim Jeffries refused to fight him and it wasn't surprising because no white boxer would spar with a black boxer at the time. But Johnson was just too, became too famous that finally, finally, he was met with the challenger of Tommy Burns. Tommy Burns had succeeded Jim Jeffries and became the the new world champion and he agreed to fight Jack Johnson in Sydney, Australia. Johnson and Tommy Burns went 14 rounds and the police had to step in and stop the fight. However, Johnson was named the winner. Johnson continued to dominate when he continued to call out Jeffries. And finally, Jeffries did in, on July 4th, 1910. It was dubbed the Fight of the Century with 22,000 fans 
meeting in Reno, Nevada to watch Johnson fight Jeffries, and Johnson came away victorious after 15 rounds. Johnson continued to hold the title for five years until he finally fell to Jess Willard in Havana, Cuba. Johnson also continued to fight for 12 more years and he finally retired at the age of 50. Johnson finished his career with 73 wins, 40 of them being knockouts, 13 losses, 10 draws, and 5 no contests. An extraordinary record. And all of this, I just want to point out, happened decades before Jackie Robinson um, desegregated baseball in the 1940s, which we are going to talk about Jackie Robinson, but before we do that, I wanted to highlight one other athlete who made a, who also made history and angered no other than the evil dictator Adolf Hitler. Yes, you guessed it right. I'm talking about Jesse Owens. However, before we talk about Jesse Owens and what he did, it should be noted that Jesse Owens wasn't the first african-american or person of color to compete in the olympic and he wasn't the first to actually win a medal the actually first athlete who was a person of color to win an olympic gold medal is actually back in the night in 1900 a french soccer player by the name of constantine enriquez zubera was the first person of color to win a gold medal on the french team and another instance, George Coleman Page was another person of color who had to overcome great obstacles and played in the Olympics in 1904 and won an Olympic medal, earning the bronze medal for both the 222 yard and the 14 for 440 yard hurdles. And I, of course, also have to highlight John Taylor because right after. George Coleman, John Taylor played in the 1908 Olympics and won a gold medal in athletics. So let's fast forward back to Jesse Owens though. Jesse Owens arguably played the, the, the more important role just because of who he was playing against. And many historians attribute it was a big smack in the face to Hitler. Many people uh, attributed Hitler hosting the 1936 Olympics. He wanted to showcase German and Aryan superiority and Jesse Owens humbled him because Jesse Owens won four Olympic medals in front of Adolf Hitler. And furthermore, he set a world record in the broad jump that stood for 25 years. Jesse Owens was born in Alabama and he died in Phoenix, Arizona, and he set records in the 1936 Olympics. Jesse Owens was one heck of an athlete. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been throwing curveballs this entire podcast. Was it Jackie Robinson? Was it Jesse Owens? But there's a whole lot of other athletes that just don't get quite the attention as the other one and I did mention Jackie Robinson I'm gonna get to Jackie Robinson but before I get there it is important to talk about the Bismarck baseball team in 1936 now Jackie Robinson was the first to to break the 
barrier in Major League Baseball, but actually Bismarck Baseball team was the first to have a fully integrated team back in 1936. And they had one of the widely regarded as one of the best pitchers of all time in Satchel Paige on their team. And Satchel Paige is one of the three players who made it into the Bismarck, or from Bismarck, who got inducted into the Major League Hall of Fame. The 1935 Bismarck team was considered fully integrated and they had a goal of being to secure an invitation to the first national semi-professional baseball championship which was going to be played in wichita kansas throughout the season the team played with some of the best barnstorming teams in the country attracting national attention and they secured a, a tournament invitational at the tournament the team went undefeated 7-0 with Satchel Paige winning four games and striking out 60 batters. Still a tournament record in a tournament now played under, under the National Baseball Congress. The team finished with the season with a 60-19-3 record. That's 60 wins, 19 losses, and 3 ties. Winning the tournament was significantly as it was the first time a fully integrated team had ever won a national championship. The baseball world was electrified and the tournament management immediately ruled that in future years, no integrated teams would be allowed. Uh, today, many historians believe that the 1935 championship was a pivotal um, point in the eventual integration of Major League Baseball. And that leads us finally 10, 12 years later to Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson was born in Cairo, Georgia, and later in 1919 and in 1920, his mother moved his family out to Pasadena, California. In Pasadena, the Robinson family experienced segregation and racism in an impoverished but wild childhood. There was frightening, frightening scrapes with police, but Jackie Robinson was excellent at athletics, not only in high school, but also when he went to junior college and then later when he went to a predominantly white university, and that was the University of California, Los Angeles, UCLA. There he started in football, basketball, track and field, and of course, baseball. And in 1940, he met his soon to be lifelong romance, and that was Rachel Isum, who was a nursing student. But 1942 was right in the middle of World War II, and Jackie Robinson actually joined the Army and be eventually became a second lieutenant. However, he was stationed at Camp Hood, Texas. Robinson was actually arrested and charged with insubordination because he refused to sit in the back of a military bus that was driven by a white civilian. He was court-martialed, but he was acquitted. But however, he requested he be granted an honorable discharge, which they did grant him. Later that year, he began to play shortstop for the Kansas City Monarchs in a black league there. And he was being scouted by a scout from the Brooklyn Dodgers, sent specifically from Brooklyn's owner, Branch Rickey, the team's general manager and co-owner. Rickey 
was described as a man of stubborn moral courage. And he was very motivated to sign a black ball player. Robinson and Branch Rickey met and finally came to an agreement where Jackie Robinson would enter into the Brooklyn Dodgers organization by signing with their minor league, the Montreal Royals. Little did Jackie Robinson know that every step from here on out would be a very uphill battle. Starting with just spring training, the Robinson faced harrowing experiences with racially motivated tensions and threats the entire spring training, not only from fans and onlookers, but also his own teammates. Robinson played exceptionally well and helped the minor league team win a pennant. The following year, Robinson was then signed officially up to the Dodgers. And Robert Robinson's historic Major League Day opened on April 15th, 1947 at Ebbets Field. And like I said, Robinson did face an uphill battle. Robinson not only then experienced physical threats, but he received hate mail. He was rattled constantly by not only his teammates, but the opposing team. But in spite of everything Robinson faced, he was very talented and motivated, and he was very disciplined, and Robinson was succeeded and being playing very well. And he started to gain support from fans and other people around the world, not only black and white, but he led the Dodgers to their first National League pennant since 1941. And he got on the cover of Time Magazine in 1947, where he was nominated the most famous and admired black man in the country, and he was named the Rookie of the Year. Now, historians believe one of the major reasons why the integration succeeded is because of Jackie Robinson's discipline. Jackie Robinson faced sort of threats that would push any person to the edge, but yet Jackie Robinson never responded any sort of a violent way. And that was probably the reason why the integration happened because Jackie Robinson turned the other cheek to say the least. Following after Jackie Robinson's success in Major League Baseball, the Supreme Court would rule their famous Brown versus the Board of Education and later desegregated high schools later the 1950s. So there we have it. Multiple black athletes all playing a role in facing a ton of adversity and a lot of sacrifice to deal with something horrific at the time. And if you're fascinated by the tales of courage and you want to learn more about these overcoming obstacles of racism and segregation of sports, I will let you all know all the sources I used and those of course I found at the Colorado State Library and I'm sure some of them are available online as well. Let's start with the first one, a book called Colorblind, The Forgotten Teams That Broke Baseball's Color Line by Tom Dunkel, published in 2013 from Grove Press, New York. Next, 
Benching Jim Crow, The Rise and Fall of Color Line in Southern College Sports, 1890 to 1980 by Charles H. Martin. And that is from the Journal of African American History, Volume 97, Number 3. Next, a scholarly article called Jack Johnson to LeBron James Sports Media and the Color Line by Lamb or Chris Lamb from the Journal of Sport History, Volume 43, Number 3. And finally, I also use biography.com forward slash athlete for Jack Johnson and Jackie Robinson. There it is, our first uh, podcast episode honoring black athletes for Black History Month. I hope you enjoyed it. Please leave me any uh, feedback, any comments, what I need to do better for next time. I appreciate any feedback. For KCSU Sports, I'm Jonathan Gillum, and I'll catch you next time.